It's your weekly dose of all things geeky. Class is pain 101. Instructors Casey Jones. Movies, comic books, movies based on comic books. Excelsior! Video games, toys, TV shows. Professional wrestling. It's still real to me, damn it! All the things you got made fun of for in high school. Come on, you fuckers think that just because a guy reads comics he can't start some shit? So grab your action figures, bag and board your comics, and roll for initiative. It's time to talk nerdy to me. That's right. You can tell by the old intro, the old new intro. Uh, that our it's old fa- is new again. Yeah, our favorite month is <laughs> over, uh, and we are back to normal or as normal as we get around here around these parts very relative term yeah here at uh, much like the state of west virginia it's all relative uh, <laughs> so, uh, back with an all-new episode in november as they say in uh, we're, we're now streaming in technicolor aren't we yeah oh well we're streaming in black and white as a cost-saving measure Okay. Mm. So uh, it's you, an artistic yeah, choice. Yeah, you can uh, you you can pick up the show, talk nerdy to me in black and white now, as yes. because we lost a tip club member, so uh, now we're we have to broadcast <laughs> in black and white. So it's belt tightening time for everybody. Um, and you know what? The bad the the bad news about it is, um, you know, we had the chance to potentially make a whole bunch of money, and now we can't. I wouldn't say that that's necessarily a bad thing. Uh, well, yeah, cause, because because uh, you want to know how? Yes. <laughs> because <laughs> uh, because uh, due to uh, a little event that happened that is making national news um, in in our little state, our our Commonwealth, um, we are no longer uh, in a highly contested battle with. I can now say former governor Matt Bevin, soon to be former governor Matt Bevin. Uh, let me get the. There you go. He's still got till yeah. January. Let, let, let me get the uh, the proper update music here. Um, um, uh, because Matt Bevin is no longer going to be governor. So. Uh, uh, somewhere out there, Vince McMahon is hard, uh, but. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, if you are familiar with the show, if you've been listening for the last uh, four or five weeks, uh, you know that we have been embroiled, embattled with uh, disgraced Governor Matt Bevan uh, over a Twitter beef. And um, I want you to know that uh, and I texted everybody uh, that no matter what happened at the election, uh, that we, we were going to have an update this week. And I had been talking to official talk nerdy to me legal counsel. Absolutely not a joke. Absolutely not a bit uh, that we have been in talks with legitimate attorneys that uh, were prepared to file uh, legal paperwork had he won the election uh, to 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 co- not only um, 
not only to reverse his uh, blocking Koran stance on Twitter, uh, but to also collect damages. Uh, and I'm not making that up. Like, legit, we almost were embroiled uh, and battled in a, uh, in a legal battle uh, with Matt yeah, Bevin. All the damages Koran accrued while not yep. being able to shit right. Yeah, yeah, not be able to troll him. Uh, and hey, hey, let, let's be honest here. Just because he blocked me doesn't mean I still didn't shit post about the guy. It wasn't on his official Twitter. Right. That's true. Hey, 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 either of his official Twitters. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Uh, so the lesson that every politician can learn from this is if you block one of the hosts of Talk Nerdy to me, you're going to lose your next election. So um, <laughs> on behalf of everybody from Talk Nerdy to me, please block one of us, Mitch McConnell. He's, he's using that Blade oh. 2 logic right there. Like <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, he got into a Twitter war with Koran that he didn't know about. Lost yep. the election. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Causation. Guillermo del Toro won Best Director. Guillermo del Toro directed Blade 2. Therefore, yep. Blade 2. Great. Hey, 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 hey. It's Ergo. Yep. Blade 2 is sorry, the best movie. Vis a vis. <laughs> Obviously, someone wasn't a math major because of the transitive property says that that's okay, and that's how that checks out. So, Mitch McConnell, please block one of us, you turtle motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, turtle I'm even a diehard Republican. Fucking Matt Bevin. Yeah, I know, right? He, who does it? He doesn't tweet like at all. I've checked because that was going to be the next plan. But well, uh, I, I assume he does it, but I thought he might have people. He's got younger people that uh, he sucks their life force out and uses it to tweet. So, good news, bad news. Good news is uh, Matt Bevin lost the election. Uh, the Woo! bad news is that now we can no longer sue him. Um, I mean, we could, but as I was told uh, once he lost, is that it would be a, a waste of time. Because it's by the time it actually got going, it would be pointless. And so... Good news, bad news. In a roundabout way, we got what we wanted. So, whatever. Close enough. So, that that uh, is officially over now. Our our issue with with uh, Plank Matt Bevan is now pretty much put to bed. <laughs> so, now, I think my highlight of everything yesterday was I a bunch of my friends that I follow on Twitter in all of their posts uh, didn't tag me or anything, but everyone just called him a plank. Seven or eight of my friends that all tweeted about going to vote and everything, and they all called him a plank in in their tweets. And I was like, "Awesome, thanks, guys. Thanks, guys." Real friendship, right there. That's what that is. True, true friendship. So, yeah, I thought about taking a get a snap whenever I was voting for him just to oh. fuck with you. Julian, like, I mean, your Republican <laughs> troll shit doesn't bother me anymore. It's just basically expected at this point. <laughs> I'll be honest, like, I'm a diehard Republican, but I fucking hate Matt Bevin. So I, I don't, it was six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. I'm not sad or mad that he lost. Yeah. I'm not even trying to get political. He was just a human cock goblin. So fuck yeah. that guy. True. What a fucking How can anybody that has like nine kids, you know, and adopts all of them and seems like he would be an okay guy turned out to be such just a fucking douchebag you know what here's here's your here's your first clue is that he's got nine kids but he had to adopt them all because his wife doesn't want to fuck him so 
That's pretty when, much it. When right, that's Al fair. Roker has a problem with you, you know you fucked up. When Al Roker takes time out to call you Governor Nitwit on national yeah. TV, you fucked up. Hey, yeah. that's some funny shit, though. I mean, <laughs> yes, these little pussy-ass kids should be outside waiting on us in you know, sub-zero temperatures. But what does it <laughs> like say? What does it say about Kentucky that Matt Bevin is slash was the second most hated governor in the United States and still almost got reelected? Yeah, like uh, Kentucky, do better. Like, please, please do better. Like, well, it's the lesser of two evils. To, in my in my case, it was lesser because I mean Bashir wants to take my gun, so I don't give a fuck about <laughs> teachers. So, ha. well. <laughs> I mean, it's all evil. I mean, uh, yeah. realistically, Andy Bashir does not have the power to take anybody's guns. So, no. And and with a, but he does support red flag laws, well, which is bullshit. So. Uh, just keep in mind that with a Republican-controlled state House and Senate, like shit ain't getting done. So it doesn't really matter. Um, but I, especially with that new uh, the black dude that's like the Attorney General, Daniel so. Cameron, baby. Oh. Um, and that ends uh, Political Corner here on Talk Nerdy TV. This, this is, is Talk, talk Politics, too. <laughs> <laughs> Jinx! Oh, God. Damn it. We are so, ah. so... Now Koran so can't talk until he brings me a Coke. Oh. And then he's... Like some Coke or a Coke? Yes. Uh, dealer's <clears throat> choice. Yes. I do prefer my cocaine in Coca-Cola, though. It goes down easier. <laughs> I mean, that's just... <laughs> That's just, you know, good. Like the This has been talk druggy to me. Yeah. Uh so man, it's been a crazy crazy week in the nerddom in um uh, just across geek fandom everywhere. Uh we've got yeah. Disney Plus about to launch and just shake up the streaming world. One more week. Uh we've got Scott Cox and myself just running away with it on Fantasy Movie League. <laughs> I'm officially going to announce my retirement from Fantasy Movie League. <laughs> no, because we've got one week left and then it starts all over again and everybody starts uh, at zero. Dude, I have Wait till I come shit. back. Okay, good. I've been shit this entire... I, I think I'm like fourth. I don't think I've gotten out of fourth since just, like week two. If you want hope, two things to look for for hope. Number one, look at how... Upper Scott, movie season comes back well, again. Well, well, look at how... Commander Scott did last season compared to this season. He mm. he was like fifth and sixth all last year, and this year he really like. And I, I complimented him on this because I said, "Man, like you have gone out and you have done the research on movies. Like you have figured out the formula. Like you cracked the formula. I cracked that formula a little while ago, and I was waiting for someone to catch up. And I was kind of like, I was kind of giving him." Hints and like, man, maybe you should look at this. Maybe you should do this. Here's my thought process behind it. And he has he has taken it upon himself to to learn the code and learn what makes a worthwhile movie selection and what what to pick. And he has he he has gotten most improved from last season to this season by far. And because I told him if it wasn't for him, I would have just taken a week off. Like, I would have just done nothing, and then I, I would have just, uh, like, I would have gotten a zero for a week and then just gone back to playing. But I can't because he's, like, he's breathing down my neck. Uh, the second thing to look for 
if you want inspiration, is go back to this current season and look at Scarefest weekend and look at how Koro uh, finished. With my $6 million week? Yeah, where everybody else had like $60, 70000000 million, and he, he finished dead last with $6 million. It's, it's insane, the, the distance between, and now he's, he's battling Obi John for fourth yep. place. Yeah, I'm still in fucking fourth. So like, it, it, it's possible if you crack the code, like if if you can if you can <coughs> figure out your formula, if you can figure it out, like it, it, it's it's. I'm just wondering if it's not summer movie season. I don't know shit about boxing. <laughs> apparently, all you need. To I am do, terrible at predicting what's going to do well. No, all you need to do is look at um, you know theater counts and because he, here's what I do is I set my I set my uh, my my lineup. Usually, either Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday morning, because that at that point, like early estimates are out, and I can see what's going to be a good deal. And then Thursday nights or Friday mornings, usually Friday morning is when it is when it's better. Is I'll go back and I'll look at all of the updated estimates and see what's changed, and then compare that to how much everything costs. Because there was one week, and I think I think it was last week. Oh, uh, where um, Harriet was it was it was originally estimated at like five million dollars, and over uh, by the time it got to be Friday morning, it had jumped to nine million, but the price was still the same. So I just locked in with almost all of those because it was the same price, but the estimate almost doubled. And then it ended up being best picture or, or best performer. So I should have. Uh, I thought about dropping both of my lighthouses and adding Harriet on six screens, and I really should have. Yeah, because it ended up being it ended up being like all eight of that was the perfect. I really thought Joker as an anchor, and then seven of of Harriet was going to be perfect. But damn it, it was so close. Uh, but. This week is going to be interesting because there are two movies that open up that they're very, very different ends of the spectrum. They're both predicted to be about the same. One of them is probably going to be wrong. The question is which one, because it's that last Christmas movie and the Dr. Sleep Stephen King movie. So you kind of have to go with your gut. Scott and I are, are we're taunting each other back and forth about which one we were going to pick. Because one of them is probably going to be wrong. One of them is probably going to be right on, but I need a little bit more information, so I'm going to check right. it. Uh, this week, I feel good about. Do you? We're getting back into that uh, big opening weekend kind of uh, movie release schedule, which is apparently what I do better at. So I'm just happy we got Julian coming back, and yeah, then uh, we need to get Travis in. Yeah, he needs to get back into it. Because if we can have a full eight-person league, that'll make it a ton of fun. Yeah, yeah. so it's a lot more fun. Um, so, What's the name of the app again? I gotta make sure I got it on my phone. Fantasy Movie League. Yep. So if you're having a bad week, just remember, fuck my life. Yep. FML. Yeah. I, I tweeted that at them once. I said uh, when, when I was doing <laughs> like before I before I had, before I had kind of gotten my rhythm, uh, and I was doing like I was just my my Cineplex was just dog shit, and I tweeted at them and I said the the short code on my phone screen is right because every time I open it, it's FML. And, mm -hmm. and they retweet like they liked it. They follow us, and it, it was because I made the joke. Sweet. It was pretty funny, but um, no, it's it's a great it's a great game. If you don't play it, uh, you should. Our season ends, I think, the weekend of the twenty first. So we have just a couple weeks to go, and we'll be posting the link so you can join up in our group and play against us. You can see if you are good enough to compete against the Cineplex to beat. 
uh, and see if you can take home the top prize because it's honestly uh, it's getting kind of boring beating up on these chumps. So somebody else, <laughs> somebody else needs to jump in on this and, and try and challenge me for first. I say that I, between me and Scott, it's like one of us is going to mess up first, and then that person's just going to lose. Like it's it's not going to come down to who outperforms the other. It's going to be who messes up first. It's going to take second. So it's going to be interesting to see. I can't wait. But um, there was a big surprise at the box office this week because if your fantasy movie league lineup contained Terminator Dark Fate based based on the fact that everybody, it it got really good word of mouth. It had really good buzz going into it that people were saying it's the best Terminator since Terminator two, which is not saying a lot, but that's, you know, people, it got a lot of positive buzz, but it made like, no money compared to what it was expected to. It is it is widely considered twenty nine million dollar opening. It was projected to make like fifty, and yeah, um, yeah it was it was bad, and um, so it's poor performance in a some would say very tired, worn out franchise. Begs the question. At what point does franchise fatigue set in and no matter how good a movie is, no matter how good an entry in a movie franchise is, are you just tired and you're just not interested? Because this had everything. This had Arnold. It had the return of Linda Hamilton it was, you know, the continuation story. Like it was, it it hit all of the high notes that you would think a Terminator fan would want to see. Even someone who's been jaded by others, by other Terminator movies, you would think that this would be exactly what they wanted. Well, the one thing we want is James Cameron to come back, and he's made it clear he's just not going to. No, Avatar money, man, can't can't break. Yeah, well, away and this, this this had everything, but. Cameron coming back, and he, he did. I he, thought Cameron was a producer on this. Well, he's been a producer on all of them. But that's just because he created the series, and he gets a cut of the check. He hasn't actually done anything creative. Uh, he's just there symbolically, uh, but they love to bring him out for uh, promotion to be like, "Hey, James, talk about how great this one is." He's like, "Okay, cool, check, please." <laughs> uh, no, he uh, apparently in this one he did have he gave some ideas on the um, or some feedback on the script. And uh, he took a look at their first cut uh, assembly cut and gave them some some pointers or some uh, you know on the on the cut. But other than that, like Tim Miller, the guy who directed uh, Deadpool, actually directed it, and Cameron did not write it. Um, but they don't want you to know that. No, Cameron's because on the. Uh, sorry. Yeah, the return of producer yeah. James Cameron. Yeah, he's on the uh, John Carpenter plan where it's like, do whatever you want, just give me a check. Exactly. <laughs> That's pretty much what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, when somebody asked uh, Carpenter, what do you think of the Halloween remake? I said, yeah, I got a check. So that's, that's basically where Cameron's at with Terminator is, yeah, they can keep making them all they fucking want. I got a check for doing nothing. So. Do what you cool. want with my creation, Jason Voorhees. Just give me a check. <laughs> <laughs> Joke for four, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I... Show for four. This and Travis, I love you, but as soon as I saw uh, Travis's 
review of Terminator Dark Fate where he was like, it's the best one they've done since T2. I was just like, that's a low fucking bar. Well, it, I will say this. It does have the Rotten Tomato score is um, 74% audience, 84% critic. So it's being reviewed fairly well. Uh, For the wanted, nine people that went to see it? Yeah, I wanted to see it before we did the show today. I didn't get around to it, but I am seeing it tomorrow morning. So I, it, it, and I think that's the reason I looked that up is because I think what's happening with Dark Fate is it's not so much this movie is terrible. It's that the last, hold on, I got to count, carry the two, divide by the last, four Terminator movies have been dog shit. T3, Salvation, Genesis. Am I forgetting one? Probably. I don't know. Sarah Connor anyway. Chronicles. Does that count? Uh, the, the show? Yeah. Hey, that show was awesome. The show was terrible. The first season was uh, okay. Salvation was solid. I will defend Salvation, but it wasn't what people... It, even, even giving us the future war, it wasn't... You know, we, we wanted Purple Laser Future War, and it gave us Batman yelling at a, uh, a director of photography. Ha! I remember uh, that. That was funny. He lost his shit. That's all people remember about that movie. That's sad. No, like, the, 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 we've been burned so many times by this franchise leading up to now. I think most people, as soon as they announce, there's going to be another Terminator... And it's going to ignore all the other movies and be a direct sequel to T2 again. And it's going to bring back Arnold again. Like, everyone's just like, yeah, I've, I've heard this before. I'm not going out to see that. Like, I'll check it out when it's on Netflix. Yeah, I exactly. think that's what killed this thought. movie. Yeah, this was a whole lot of a big, I don't give a shit pie. That's fair. <laughs> Uh, but that does, I, I believe, jump into today's first big topic, uh, which is looking beyond the Terminator, uh, beyond Thunderdome. <laughs> bah, bah, bah. How do you how do you deal with franchise fatigue? Uh, because we live in an age where if you're not already an established IP, you're not getting a movie made. And how much is too much? How how often is too often? What should be brought back? What should be left to die? How do you how do you make these decisions? I mean, you have to think about it. The when you know when this was pitched, the first big idea that came to me was, or the first big thing that came to me is like, um, so people talked about like, is this going to be the first Marvel movie to fail? In years or eleven years, however many fucking years now, people have been just waiting on a Marvel movie to. To like drop the ball, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I, I feel like that's a franchise, but I mean, it's multiple franchises, I guess. So it's kind of a hard example to use. But I feel like people have just been kind of waiting on that fatigue to set in. Uh, and that's part part of the genius of Marvel is they've done a fairly good job, at least up till now, of diversifying their movie. So, like you said, like yeah, they're all under the Marvel banner, but like. Ant-Man are heist movies. Hmm. So they're different from a Thor movie, which is you know, a little more fantasy, which is different from a, uh, a Captain America movie, which is a little more like Jason Bourne-ish kind of thing. And like, you know, they've, they've done a good job of taking the individual properties and kind of diversifying them. So that even though it's all Marvel and it's all the same universe, it's not necessarily the exact same shtick. Um, but yeah, they're getting, getting kind of long in the tooth. Um, and, and 
I don't want to doubt him because it's Marvel. Because uh, every time we've called the movie is this is going to be the first Marvel bomb, it does fine. <laughs> like their lowest grossing movie was. Um, so they're doing just fine. But like the next slate uh, for Phase Four, it's a lot of unknowns. So if it's going to flop, I feel like now is kind of the time because I don't know anyone who gives a shit about the Eternals, but. I also didn't know anyone who gave a shit about the Guardians of the Galaxy before that movie came out. So <laughs> I don't know how to call that one. I think the trailer helped with that, with the giant talking tree and the raccoon that was shooting shit. <laughs> like, I think that helped a lot where people were like, yeah, I mean, that's so wacky. I have to go see it. They, they clearly knew what they were doing. Um, it's just that how many times can you, can you pull that same hat, uh, uh, trick out of your hat that saying like, it's a property no one knows about, but don't worry. We're going to tell you why you should give a shit about that. How many times can you pull that trick before people are just like, eh. well, I think part of it is it's very dependent on genre and I'll give okay. you an example because like I would watch and this just got announced and Koran and I have been fangirling about this for three or four days, yep. is it was announced that they just finished, sh- uh, they wrapped up shooting on the next Wrong Turn movie, which is... What are they up to now? Like seven. Eight, this is seven. Oh, so and I'm like, I would watch Wrong Turn movies forever. And I know there's <laughs> like two that I actually enjoy. <laughs> but like, fuck it, give me another one. Like Friday the 13th. There's a bunch of them I don't like. There's a ton of them I love. Give me as many of them as possible. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, give me all of them. I don't really care. Like, they can be crap. I just want an entry in that franchise. So, like, horror, I think, is is different. Uh, sci-fi is different also, uh, as we've seen with, with ter- uh, Terminator. I think sci-fi kind of, it goes the other way. Uh, but, like... You give me a an entry in a horror franchise that I like, and I'll watch it all day. Like I'll watch them forever. Like the, you cannot make enough wrong turn movies for me. Even though, yeah, is that is that just because horror movies tend to have that more simple formula? Maybe so. so. Kind of no matter no matter what it is, you kind of know what you're getting into. Yeah, and and, and maybe it's just you know they don't stray very far. And, you know, they don't, I don't want to say they don't try, but like they don't, they don't, you know, innovation is not high on the list of priorities for wrong turn seven. I'm going to go out on a limb. Which wrong turn movie I'm talking about when I say this, Uh, it's the one where the group of like late teens, early 20 somethings are in the woods or a small town and get approached by um, the crazy cannibal freaks. All of them but the one with the prisoners. (laughs) And even in the prisoners one, there's that as a subplot. So all of them. What is that? The prisoners one is what, number three? I think it's three, yeah. Because that was the one that was originally, uh, there was, it had, uh, like they took a, a proposed Friday the 13th draft. And like a story idea for a Friday the 13th movie and turned it into a wrong turn movie. Um, or so the I mean, legend goes. Uh, I mean, holy shit, wrong turn three is terrible. Yeah, oh, it's it's awful. But you know what? I Give me more of them. Like, give me all yeah. of these wrong turn movies. I don't even care. F- the fifth one was terrible. Yep. I still bought the sixth one. I have them all on Blu-ray and I will buy the next one. I don't care. Well, exactly. something else that helps, and I'll use I'll use wrong turn is is horror 
never really dies because Horde is that has has that sweet spot of they never cost much to make. Um, so worst case scenario, you break even, or maybe you lost. Well, I'm guessing none of those movies have a budget over three and a half million. I would guess. The, I think the first one actually, maybe even the first two had like decent budgets. Okay. Um, but still not over one. like what ten million. About four. I'd be 50. shocked with the. Yeah, I'd be shocked with the first wrong turn had a. Like, the first, bu- the budget that- of wrong turn. $12.6 million. Holy shit, okay, where did they spend okay, that money? Okay. <laughs> Didn't the first uh, one have Elijah Dusku or something famous? Yeah. And, Elijah uh, Dusku, Jeremy Sisto. Yeah, that guy. One had Henry Rollins in one of them? Yeah, second one was Henry Rollins. Go. Yeah. He's in the second uh, one. Probably the What's best. The, $4 million. That, God bless. It's that Bloomhouse, uh, uh, New World Pictures, Roger Corman philosophy of, of make it quick. Uh, make it cheap, and you'll make your money back. You know, it can be anything, but don't be boring. Uh, and that's kind of you know, a franchise like that. And again, we're getting into kind of specifics, but like horror in general, don't cost a lot of money. Uh, so best case scenario, it ends up making a lot of money uh, because you didn't have. I mean, that's how Bloomhouse stays in business. Their movies cost, uh, I think, on average, like three and a half million dollars, and they all bring in at least 10 to 15 million dollars. Like, even the crappy ones, like Ma, still made money for them. Um, so, horror is always that, even even when, like, the slasher genre was kind of on, a, uh, you know, on its way out, there were some people making horror movies, because they're a cheap thing to do. When you, you mentioned yourself, uh, Flanagan, like, sci-fi doesn't quite work that way, because to do sci-fi, you kind of need a budget. At least to do it well. Like, you can do low-budget horror and do it well. Low-budget sci-fi gets a little more wonky, especially nowadays. Dare you talk shit about Jason X on this show. Ah. <laughs> uh, who plays Jason in that movie, for refresher memory? Close personal friend of the show, Kane Hodder. Yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah, the worst Jason. <laughs> worst Jason. Well, he's not the worst Jason. He's just the Jason in the worst movies. Ah, that's fair. Except that's fair. Jason X, because I think his portrayal of Jason is pretty good, but he's just saddled with the worst Jason movies, except Jason X. Um, so, X is amazing, you know. Uh, so yeah, I think it. I think part of it is it does depend on genre. I think. I think it, it's always, with very few exceptions. Eventually, a franchise, much like everything, runs into the law of diminishing returns, oh, where yeah. uh, the further deep you go, just it, and it might not even be box office wise. It might be creatively, and at some point, it's going to hit the box office like Fast and Furious. We'll take that. We'll we'll take that franchise as an example, um, because it's gone. It, it's it's been a roller coaster of box office and creativity like the first one surprise hit i don't think anybody was really expecting the fast and the furious to be you know the the breakout hit that it was second one yeah not as good third one tragically bad and then it had a resurgence after the fourth one and it's kind of been going up on its second you know second bounce so eventually that's going to hit a creative 
the people are going to catch up to the creative drought, and it's going to show in the box office. Uh, but do they really care with a franchise like that? Because I was going to bring up a very similar franchise, Transformers. Uh, they're all dog shit, except for Bumblebee. Um, but they're all like, there's no story. There's, they're all just spectacle. Like they are creatively bankrupt after the first movie because they just keep making the same movie over and over and over and over again. But they keep making stupid money off of them. Well, and, and at some point, uh, it's going to stop because look at uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. And, Still making stupid money. But they're. It came to a point where they're going to like now the talk is a creative reset. And, see, I think that has more to do with Johnny Depp legal issues than it does anything to do with like story. Because at some point, and it, it's going to happen with everything. Because it, it like th- there will come a point with every franchise. It'll happen to Transformers. It'll happen to. Fast and Furious, it'll happen to Pirates of the Caribbean, it'll happen to all of these movies, uh, is they will hit a movie, an entry, that is not going to be good, and it's the, the next one is going to suffer, because the way franchises work is the next movie, the expectations for the next movie are based off of the previous movie. Look no further than probably the biggest franchise of all time, Star Wars. Uh, With Solo, fantastic movie, should have done better in the box office, but because people were burnt out of The Last Jedi and it got such negative reviews and it got negative fan feedback, people basically took Solo off. And now... The trailer for The Rise of Skywalker is out, and people are jacked up again. So, peaks and valleys. Star Wars is not immune. If if a franchise as big as Star Wars is not immune, nothing is immune. And it always goes... Like, perfect example. Uh, We'll go back to Friday the 13th. Part 6 is widely regarded by a lot of people as their favorite entry. And it did the best. It did poor in the it was a dip in the box office because people disliked five so much that they didn't go see six. And it took a while for people to appreciate part six and have it come back as a cult favorite. And it unfairly hurt the franchise because the previous entry was not good. And this is what happens, you know, Terminator. The last entry was not well received, and people, everybody has a line of what they're willing to tolerate with everything in life, you know, whether it's, you know, interactions with people or, you know, from a TV show, like you can like a certain thing up until a point, and then when it gets that stupid, you just stop. Movies, of course, the same way. People, the last Terminator movie just people crossed the line with what they were willing to pay for and, you know, uh, encourage by, by going to see it. So now when the next one comes out, they say, Oh no, I was burned the last, at least once, two, three times. I'm definitely not going to see it. I'll wait. And I might see it 
you know, I might red box it or stream it or whatever if I think about it and I get bored. But I'm I'm pretty much over Terminator right now. It needs a little while to kind of rest. It, it every every franchise is going to hit it. It's impossible to avoid. That's just my opinion. Thank you for coming right. to my TED Talk. <laughs> we're all with you on that. I think what we're more trying to figure out is how can you see that wall coming before you smash into it? Now, before I dump uh, $125 million into another Terminator movie, <laughs> how do I... <laughs> because fucking Fox was yeah. a 30% stake on this movie, too. Like, more reason, uh, if, if you did any more evidence for why did Disney buy Fox, because whoever was running Fox didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Yeah, uh, um, just a good rule of thumb is if, if Fox thinks it's a good idea, it's not. They had Dark Phoenix and this in one season. Well, 30% of, of, of Dark Um. So, okay, you mentioned, you know, box office. Um so other metrics we judge movies by, you know, if it's good or bad or whatever, public uh, perception is, is one you brought up, and that's a, a fickle beast. Um, when do you know when to listen to fans and when to block them out? Because that's a very fine edge of, of delivering on what fans want, but also not just bending over to whatever fans say they want to the point of being completely predictable. Like, um, um, I would say when your fans stop paying to see your movie, that's a good time to pivot. Like if, no, people, I mean, if people aren't going to support what you're doing and you're not, you're not making the returns that you want. Yeah. It's time to make a change. I'm actually willing to go, go even one step uh, kind of before that. Uh, and I'm going to go back to talk about Disney and Pirates of the Caribbean specifically. I remember being shocked they greenlit a fifth movie after how bad the reception was for the fourth one. It was just panned. Like, I don't know anyone. Like I don't know a single person who saw that and was like, I want more of this. And critical and fan reception was just terrible, but I guess the much like Transformers, they do huge numbers in China. So Greenlit a fifth one, and I just remember being like, How many times are we gonna draw blood from this fucking like are we gonna try and get blood from this stone and beat this dead horse like time and time again? I I, I, at some point, you need to listen to your fan base, and even if it makes money, even if it, like, if the critical reaction is so shit, just go back to the drawing board. It's a fine line, because um, movie studios, much like uh, every company that exists, uh, they're all about the bottom line. And sometimes it takes a movie bombing really, really bad 
and you have to lose a bunch of money to get it through your head that what you're doing isn't working. Unfortunately for Fox, they did not learn that lesson uh, through all of the X-Men movies. And that's the problem. Is Here's what I've learned. For the most part, with very, very few exceptions, fans and moviegoers are very forgiving. Where you can have a misstep... And it's it's not the end of the world. You can you can make a disappointing movie, and it's it's probably not going to tank your entire studio. It's when you make bad movie after bad movie after bad movie after bad movie after bad movie, and the returns don't come in, and fans are taking a shit on the chest of every movie that you make and they're not like it's projected to make a hundred million dollars and it makes 40 uh, where you get the signs like anybody anybody who says that they're shocked that Dark Phoenix bombed is an idiot because you you saw it coming for a while so it's not necessarily a, oh man, this one movie just did not do well. And so we need to change a whole bunch of stuff up or man, it made money, but you know, people didn't really like it or, you know, it got overall kind of negative buzz. So let's just change all this stuff up. It's, oh man, like people hated this movie and it didn't make anywhere near as much as we thought it would. Oh man. Now the second one, also was yeah, rated that, even worse. That, that, that's rarely a thing. I mean, yeah, that's an easy trend to predict, but let's go back to X-Men. So we had, yeah, X-Men's a roller coaster of a franchise, but before Dark Phoenix, we were coming off of um, Apocalypse, which didn't do so great, but right before that, you had Days of Future Past, which was hailed as the like you know savior of the franchise, and you also had Logan, um, right before this one, which everyone was like, Oh my gosh, this, you know, it was, it was people were like campaigning for it to win Oscars and shit. So I don't think it's as easy to predict that Dark Phoenix was going to do terribly because the franchise seemed to be in pretty steady ground at that point. I think that was more, uh, what, what killed dark fate was more of a, which is something else we talked about on the show is, is all the behind the scenes bullshit that was widely, uh, uh, in the press everywhere about the reshoots and the bad fan reactions to test screenings and things like that. I think that's what killed the movie. Not so much. It's a bad movie. It was all the second guessing and all the, uh, the, the behind the scenes uh, issues that got publicized. Not so much that the last movie did shitty because yeah, if you make five movies in the last three didn't do very well, like, yeah, that's an easy trend to predict, but, and what I'm trying to get at is, is before you hit that wall, before you decide, okay, well, I guess this is, uh, you know, before you make another movie, before you make another Terminator movie, how do you, how do you gauge, is this franchise still salvageable or is it already dead? Uh, to, to, to quote uh, Joss Whedon, how do I know the difference between uh, resuscitation and necrophilia? Okay. Sorry, sorry. Uh, Box Office Mojo is apparently like w with the oh, redesign. Like, Jesus you, fucking Christ. You can't Can we get... talk about that for a second? 
Fuck you, box office mojo, and your goddamn paywall bullshit. Yeah, subscribe through IMDb Pro, and you can get all the features you used to have, mostly, back on uh, on uh, I, uh, Box Office Mojo. Because everything you used to get is gone now. Unless you pay for it. So, fuck Box Office Mojo. Go to um, thenumbers.com. Uh, yeah, thenumbers.com uh, is the new place to go for your box office. You can track that by franchise. Sorry, that's that 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 website has really shot itself in the foot. Oh, my franchise, I mean website. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, so okay, box office is a clear way of telling. Okay, no one's going to see these movies anymore. They're not making money. Okay, fine. Um, public perception or perception that could be really really hard to gauge because you know the same fans who have been declaring Disney killed Star Wars for the last two years are the same assholes who already went out and bought their advanced tickets for Rise of Skywalker, which set records for first day sales. So that's kind of a hard way to gauge because, yeah, people will shit talk your movie on the Internet, but they'll still go buy tickets to see it. I mean, how many crappy DC movies did fans sit through and, and you know, cause talk about a roller coaster of a franchise? from Man of Steel through Suicide Squad and Justice League, and then suddenly we get stuff like Wonder Woman and Aquaman, which are beloved and made crap loads of money. It's like, yeah, those can be hard factors to try to get a read on. And we're not even, I don't think we're going to talk about critical perception because no one listens to critics anymore. So I'm not sure how people saw the job. This is also fascinating. I'm just sitting here like, <laughs> I just like listening to John rant sometimes. I'm just like, I honestly don't have a dog in this fight. I don't give two shits. I'm just like, I just want to hear what John has to say. It's meant to be kind of open-ended because the, the whole thing is they're really, I mean, yeah, there's, there's factors you can look at uh, and, and things you can try to gauge on, but it's, it's, it's hard. And you kind of do have to take it like Flanagan said, the top, uh, top of the topic. Uh, you do kind of have to take it franchise by franchise. Like, I think everyone could have said uh, a year and a half ago when they were talking about doing another Terminator movie, like, no, no, we're good. You guys can stop. Like, I don't think anybody was really asking for that movie, except that the 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 IP changed hands and a new studio had it, um, which is why we keep getting more Terminator movies, is because they, someone gets a hold of the franchise, the the rights to it, they spin a new movie out, with all these grand hopes that we're going to make a new trilogy and we're going to relaunch the franchise. And then it tanks so terribly uh, that they sell the rights and somebody else is dumb enough to buy it and try it over again. Or, you know, Arnold hasn't had a movie in a while. <laughs> you can say the same about fucking Sylvester Stallone, too. Did anyone else see Rambo Last Blood? No. Another franchise that should have just ended a movie sooner. That movie was a fever dream. Oh, man. Last uh, one was terrible. Well, there, there is one specific movie I wanted to talk about, or one specific franchise I wanted to talk about, and Flanagan, okay. you, you kind of touched on this earlier. Uh, who the fuck it? Never mind. Um, 
I, when we were talking about talking about a fever dream. No, I. <laughs> Uh, an Xbox Live message from Damped Puppy, and I was like, "All right, whatever." Um, but the the franchise is uh, Halloween, because it's like when when they announced David Gordon Green and or yeah, that's right, and Seth Rogen of all people were going to be writing a Halloween movie. I was like, "Oh, Danny okay. McBride." Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I knew that. I knew as soon as I said Seth Rogen, I knew it was wrong. You're good. You're thinking of yourself. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, but then, like, a lot of people got super excited and everything when they announced uh, just two sequels are coming out a year apart, and that's going to wrap up Halloween. I well, found, I found one, myself... Sorry, there's one golden rule of horror, which is when we say this is the last movie... Uh, it's absolutely going to be the last movie. I mean, I found myself like, you know, a bunch of people were super excited yeah, this is about the, kiss, the stuff. final tour. <laughs> going to, have to last for three. I just more found years. myself <laughs> just found myself being very like underwhelmed, being like, "All right, guys, like the one you did was good, but like I'm not necessarily sure I need movies of this." And that's something else that I think audiences are getting tired of is these franchises where they do multiple sequels at the same time. Like I remember back to when they, when they announced the matrix was going to get two and three and they're going to be out a year apart. Oh yeah, that's awesome. And then you know, like Lord of the Rings, Cal came out a year apart and stuff like that. Like I think that trend has kind of died or people are not so excited for that anymore. When they announce multiple sequels being shot at the same time, looking at you avatar. Uh, people are more like, yeah, why don't we take it one movie at a time and just see how that works nowadays. Uh, especially, like you said, like, yeah, Halloween 2018 was good, but did it warrant two more sequels? Like, do you have enough story for two more sequels? Because you had a good story for a movie. It was cool to see there from... Good. It just, uh, it was one of those things specifically when we were talking about, uh, when, you know, we discussed that we were going to talk about franchise, uh, fatigue, which is a really weird thing to try and say. Um, I was like, specifically, I wanted to talk about Halloween because it just made no fucking sense to me. So it's an interesting franchise to, de- to dive into as well. Cause that's one of those, you know, again, never meant to be a franchise, never intended to be. It was, a one-off movie and it did well. So, okay, we'll crank out a sequel. Uh, and then what three was the last time Carpenter had anything to do with it until he came back in 2018 to do the soundtrack. <laughs> uh, but even then, yeah. And it's like, you know, we would talk about like the multiple timelines and shit and that's all because, you know, hello. I'm here. Sorry. Yeah. I thought I heard, Chris Hancock. Yeah, yeah. But like, it's one of those franchises where like it kept going as long as it did because the producers kept changing hands and, you know, uh, a new person would come on and they'd want to, you know, you don't, you don't purchase a property because you just like the stuff that's already been done. You want to, you know, keep it relevant and keep going with it. So, you know, the four, five and six, I think, uh, were all done by, uh, Mustafa Akkad. 
who took it, took it over from the, the previous producers and was really trying to get it going again. And then at, I believe after six, he gave up the rights to whoever made H2O, the dimension. Uh, who then kept trying to, you know, who did, if I remember correctly, H2O and, and Resurrection were done by them. Uh, and then they gave up on it. And it, you know, it, it's one of those, you know, it, it just keeps jumping hands. So I don't know. It's, uh, again, this is meant to be more of an open ended question because uh, there may not be any way, a surefire way to tell when a franchise is, is done for. And when, hey, maybe there's some more, uh, what does Rocky say in Rocky 6 and something in the attic? There's, there's still something in the attic. Uh, I was excited for another Rambo, especially because it was touted as like the last Rambo. And then I saw it, it was dog shit. So they got me on that one. Uh, but, uh, and there's also that nostalgia factor too, because nowadays, you know, again, uh, if you're not an established IP, you're not getting made. And if you're an established IP, uh, you can do like a, you know, legacy sequels, big thing now. So it's, it's, we're not just talking about like continuing a franchise. We're talking about now like reviving franchise. When they're like a gag in a movie or a rule, they said that anytime you add Henry Winkler to a show or a movie that spells its demise. Like, you know, the show Jump the Shark if Henry Winkler makes an appearance? He did literally jump the shark, so that would make sense. Um, like, that's kind of what he does. He destroys franchises. So, I don't know. Maybe let you start putting Henry Winkler in everything and see what survives. <laughs> uh, the bit at the beginning of Scream 4 I always really liked because it simultaneously talked about franchise fatigue and insulted the Saw franchise in the same uh, in the same like three minute bit. Still never seen Scream 4. Better than Scream 3. Um, well, it wouldn't take much. And low bar. Mm-hmm. But they, they talk about like how, you know, because I, I think like three or four of the fucking Saw movies are supposed to take place simultaneously or some shit. Do they really have to put one of those out every fucking year? <laughs> you know, I... It's one of those things not knowing what Scream 4 was when I watched it. I was kind of like nervous when I saw how the movie began, but now going back and like knowing how self aware it is at the very beginning. A movie. Yeah, I saw I've never seen a Scream movie at all. Oh. It's a solid franchise, man. That's what everybody says, and I've just, I've just never, I don't know. I think Scream was my first actual slasher movie. But uh, no, like, yeah, it's, it's <sighs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. Scream is a great franchise. The first two are really good. The third one is just kind of like a like we were out of ideas, but the studio wants a third one, so here we go. Uh, and then, from what I understand, uh, four just gets like super meta, given that it's a franchise that's already kind of built around like. It's a horror movie, but people are aware they're in a horror movie kind of thing. So I'll have to I'll deflect to Koran on that one. Oh yeah, it's super meta. It's also really fucking good. It... All right then. 
Any other thoughts, questions, ponderments about franchise fatigue? We get it on the field. Gonna take that as a yes. Okay, so then uh, uh, talked about. What? I think I'm not hearing somebody. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Okay. And I've actually got, uh, uh, you know, I've got an apology I need to make. Uh oh. And it's, you know, I, I've always kind of like, and the only reason I did this is because I wanted to give that director. Uh, specifically another shot on something. And the apology is to you. So I watched Crawl again. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it it was really good. Um, it's, it's a blast. And I really like Alejandro Aja. Is that his name? Something like that. Alexander Aja. Close enough. Um, you know, it's the same dude that did don't breathe in the evil dead remake from 2013. Uh, Unfairly good. It's a phenomenal director, and I I, I had to watch it twice. I, I didn't enjoy it the first time. I had to watch it twice, um, and that got me thinking about a couple different things. The, the the touch on was like, what stuff you had to um get into the first time. Uh, I know for Julian it was women, but um, <laughs> I mean you. Yeah. So fair. Um, like I just wanted to know that that was one of the things that like came with, came. I had to watch Crawl twice to like really enjoy it. So I just kind of want to touch on like what's one or two things, and then we're gonna wrap this back around into a, a larger discussion. Things. I'll be honest, uh, the other guys, like I went and saw it in theaters. Yeah, I tried to walk out, but the girl I was with was like, no, we paid the money. Let's watch it. Man. And I just sat there and stewed and like played on my phone and you just realized uh, like that she was stupid and I never wanted to see her again. And, uh, oh, and then like, I don't know, three or four years later, Somebody puts it on and we watch it and it's the funniest shit I've ever seen in my entire life. I watched it just like a couple months ago when I was gone. I mean, I was pissing my pants. I was laughing so hard. I, I just that movie is fucking phenomenal from start to finish. And I do not know why about playing with her titties than I was watching that movie because that movie is fucking <laughs> phenomenal and it's one of my favorites. And I don't know what in the world would have ever led me to think it wasn't good. That's the one that has Will Ferrell and uh, Mark Mark Wahlberg. Yep. Okay, okay. <clears throat> I haven't seen that. I'll have to give it a shot. My God, did you guys come over and watch it with me? Because okay. Michael Keaton's in it, and it's so goddamn funny. Well, feel like you buried the headline there. Shit. It is just, it is fucking phenomenal. Like, some of the jokes are kind of dated because they're tied into, you know, pop culture, but some of them are, it's just so goddamn funny. All right. Um, mine's much worse. Pussy a second chance, like Corona. <laughs> <laughs> mine's much more recent. Um, the uh, the Hellboy uh, reboot thing, David Harbor. Uh, <laughs> last year, no, yeah, I watched it the first time when it came out. Um, uh, when when I, but 
by that I mean when it came out on, on video, so I missed it in theaters. And yeah, the first time I watched it, I was like, yeah, this is crap. They're trying to cram an entire franchise worth of shit in one movie, and nothing's getting time to breathe, and it's bad. Um, and then I just kept thinking about it, and like, you know, scenes in dialogue and whatnot would kind of like, you know, randomly pop up in my head, and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to give that another go. Um, it's still not a good movie. Like, I'm not going to lie. It's still not, as far as like a, a standalone um, story, not as well uh, put together as the, the Del Toro ones. But if you're a Hellboy comic book fan, this thing ticks all the boxes. And it's, it's, still, it's still a fun thing to watch. Like I said earlier, uh, the, the old uh, Roger Corman motto of filmmaking, it can be, a movie can be anything as long as it isn't boring. Hellboy's not boring. I will give it that. Every 10 to 15 minutes, he's slaying some giant monster or, you know, we've changed locations or like it, you know, it moves pretty quickly. It, it is, it is not boring. Um, and I just like David Harbour. Uh, and, and, you know, upon second viewing, maybe I had lower expectations a bit, but I really enjoyed it the second time. I mean, it's okay if you've never seen, you know, Ron Perlman as Hellboy. It didn't exist, then yeah, it'd probably be solid. But it's just like you said, it crams way too much into one fucking like what? It's only like ninety-two minutes long or something. It's just like yeah. way too much shit in one movie. You're jumping around and it's just fuck off. Like I, that movie just aggravated me so bad because I was so pumped because I love Hellboy. I'm not even that big of a fan of the comics. Like I, I've read a couple. Mm-hmm. of the early ones, but I mean, it's one of those things like In the Mouth of Madness. It's always on my list, but I'm never going to probably watch it or read it. So <laughs> it's always there. Like if the world is Twilight Zone, like World Ends Tomorrow, and I get locked in a fucking library and it just so happens to have a whole bunch of Hellboys, I'll finally read them. <laughs> no. But it's just, God, I was so ready for that movie to be fucking awesome. And I, I thought David Harbour looked badass and they were they stayed true to the comic, but it's just, he's a fucking dumbass. Like Ron Perlman played that charm and a little bit of wit. Like he was a lovable dumbass who was almost like half professional wrestler, half wannabe superhero James Bond kind of guy. And you're just like, I can see why chicks dig Ron Perlman, even though he looks like a fucking <laughs> shoe sometimes. And it's just, I, I didn't get that with David Harbour. Like the, the, I don't know, like the Ron Perlman Hellboy, I would want to sit and drink a beer with, like the David Harbour one, I'd be like, this guy's a fucking tool, like let's throw stuff at him. <laughs> uh, well, I'll I'll say this for the uh, the the flip side of that argument, uh, being that one thing that pisses me off to no end about movies is when they intentionally leave shit open ended and and don't finish the story because sequel, like this one at least, like. They had lots of cool ideas uh, um, about wow, what if we had this person here, and what, what if we did this part of this story here, and like, and they they fucking did it. Like every idea they had, like clearly every idea they had, they put it in this movie. Um, and there's something uh, every single one, all four hundred and thirty-seven of them. Yes, that's <laughs> why so it's like I said, it's never boring. Uh, like again, there's a lot crammed into it, but at least they 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 found a way maybe not as successful as we'd hope for, but they found a way to work in all the stuff they wanted to work in. And I'd rather see a movie that's like, I'd rather seem like, Hey, yeah, maybe we put a little too much in there. 
then have the well we didn't do this because we wanted to save it for a sequel well we didn't finish that because we wanted to do it for a sequel well we introduced this storyline and then dropped it because we wanted to do a sequel like they they at least put everything into this um yeah, but there it gets to a point where <laughs> you can only throw so much spaghetti at the fucking cabinet to see what sticks you know it's like that's <laughs> totally fair damn just do me a favor and save some shit for the sequel. God damn, you just got you got way too much. It literally, it's like the flip side of the coin you just tossed. It's like maybe they were afraid they weren't going to get a sequel, so they're like fuck it, let's just put it in there. Yeah, I'd love of it if we need to, but let's go ahead and plant the seed, and then if we can, you know, cultivate it into a plant, we can fuck the plant later. But let's just throw it all in there. <laughs> all right, it's a fever dream. It really is. It's it literally like. Like you said, let's take 47 fucking issues of Hellboy and cram it all into 90 minutes. Indeed. Yep. Riverdale or Suits or any of these other fast cut, like super fast talkative shows. Like, you know, use, use nonverbal communication for like two seconds. Just kind of look at each other and maybe smile or wink or nod. You don't have to throw out 5,000 lines of dialogue in a 42 minute episode. Jesus fucking Christ. All right. Now I'm on a fucking rant. <laughs> All right, Flanagan, what, what, what you got, bud? All right, we talked about this franchise part of it uh, earlier. I did. Uh, and I will be the first to admit that upon first viewing, I really did not enjoy Freddy versus Jason at all. <gasps> Did not what? like it at all. Uh, but a little book called Slash of the Titans, uh, and I, which is a uh, it's a terrific book. If you've never read it, it gives you the uh, ten proposed ideas and scripts that were pitched for Freddy versus Jason, and once. Once you realize what we could have gotten and how absolutely trash most of them are, uh, going back and watching it and seeing what we did get, you know, it's nowhere near as bad as I thought it was when I first saw it. Uh, it's it's actually uh, like Commander Scott and I were texting back and forth a week or so ago just before Halloween. And he said, you know, that's the only Friday the 13th movie I don't have. It's weird. Like, I, I feel like I should have it. So after we talked about it for a little while, I went back and I rewatched it before Halloween. And I said, you know what? Like, it's actually a lot more fun than I remember it. And uh, I, I did enjoy it a lot more. Um, and it was much, much, uh, uh, it was, it was well worth taking a second look for me. Oh, I feel about Freddy versus Jason. So <laughs> I, 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 and, and I can't explain why, like just, I remember just really like not caring for it at all. The first time I saw it and I kind of wrote it off and it came in a, it came in a three pack, uh, which was both remakes and that movie. 
together. And that was like, honest, like that was literally the only reason I had it for a while. Uh, and I just, I never watched it again. And I, I just kind of wrote it off and talking with him again. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm, I'm, he's talking about, he sent me a, uh, he sent me a, a, a text picture of Jason on fire. And he was like, this one's so much fun. And I was like, maybe I do need to give it another shot because I kind of talked him into getting it. And so maybe I do owe it one more chance. And I did, I gave it another chance and I enjoyed it. Well worth taking a second look. That was my first Freddy or Jason movie. Here. Um, I've got, uh, really only have one more example and okay. I'm going to go last this time we go around because it's going to wrap into the next part of this that I've got. So, uh, John Julian Flanagan, whoever wants to go again, go. Well, I had movies that, cause I, I apparently I misunderstood. Them. I thought you wanted us to recommend movies that you should give another chance to. Oh, um, so, um, but I'll just throw this out there. Um, cause I think we talked about it at the top of the show. Um, but if you saw Terminator Dark Fate, you're like, wow, that was shitty. Uh, and you still want to scratch that Terminator itch. Um, give Terminator Salvation a second shot. Uh, it's not totally phoned in. It does something different with the franchise. It uh, gives us that future war, or at least as much of it as we're going to get. Um, and uh, it, it's it, if you <laughs> if you've already forgotten the trailers, good, because uh, then there's some cool plot twists coming for you. If you remember the trailers, then I'm sorry. Uh, wait until you've forgotten to watch it. See, I think I misunderstood the topic, too, because I was like, I thought we were supposed to find movies we thought deserved a second chance or uh, something to extend the franchise. So I'm, we're all fucked up. This is awesome. This is the, We didn't pay attention to the group text. <laughs> Turn the fucking alerts back on so it wasn't just like all muted this time. So I actually got to read them and I still fuck. I'm so fucking stupid. I, just, I messed up. But anyways, I'm just going to go with well, what first. I was thinking the fucking topic was. Uh that should have become a franchise or deserve a second look or studios need to look at again. I want this movie had a special place in my heart because I read the comics a lot and I really wanted it to do a lot better. But their first mistake was casting uh, fucking Sean Connery because he ruins everything he touches. Um, but the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen could have been, should have been a whole hell of a lot better and sequels. And I still like it. I want to slap him like a bitch, like he used to talk about slapping all those chicks back in the day. Even though they probably deserved it, I just want to slap that bald fuck one good time. It's one of uh, Flanagan's favorite uh, celebrity interview stories. <laughs> oh, yeah? I don't know if he's, he's sure they shared that on the show before or not. Oh, where he completely spoiled the movie? Yeah. He was on, I think, Conan O'Brien. And Conan yeah, O'Brien. Yeah, shows. And and he was like, uh, Conan O'Brien's like, yeah, so, you know, it's like the day before it comes out. And he's like, yeah, you know, you must be really excited. Like, you know, all these movies are becoming franchises. You know, are you, you know, is that something that appeals to you? And he's like, I don't care. I die. 
in this movie. So what do I care if they make two or three more? And Cody just looks <laughs> up. He's like, are you supposed to say that? And he's like, I don't care. I die. Like, what are they going to do? Kill me again? <laughs> he just like fucking spoiled the whole thing right there. It was pretty Good. great. Yeah. Grandpa doesn't give a fuck is what that's. Right, Flanagan, you got anything else for me? Nah, roll on. Uh, so the other big example I wanted to use here was, and if it hadn't been for my friends that were giant fans of it, I probably never would have even given it a shot or a second thought. And it kind of ignited a, uh, something I'm like really interested in for me in general. Uh, I watched, um, the cowboy bebop on adult swim. I think our senior year of high school. John, mm-hmm. it just, it was nothing like I, I didn't see what all the big huff was about and everything. And I brought it up to a guy I was working with by the name of Jesse. And then I talked with my friend Jimmy on aim that is AOL instant messenger uh, about it. And I was yeah, like, so. yeah, I, I, I just don't understand why everyone likes us. And they're like, you have to fucking give this another go. And I was like, all right. I mean, and I kind of stuck with it and I watched a few more episodes and I mean, it's, you know, it is what I credit is probably like, I mean, into anime, um, which I, I, I know we have varying opinions on anime of the show. I think I'm pretty much the only one who would probably consider themselves a, an actual like fan of the genre. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where if them hadn't actually like gotten into it and or like hadn't stood up for it at that point, and I say fandom very loosely because it was just my two friends who I knew that absolutely adored the show. Uh, but if they hadn't stood up for it, I probably like I might not even be a large anime fan now. Um, <laughs> that on something I consider to be just fucking awesome. So that brings me to the point I wanted to ask of like, is fandom either in like getting people to give things a second shot or on the flip side of that, like how can a fandom drive you away? If you've given something a shot, you didn't like it. And then people are just like dick riding the hell out of it to it, to just not even make you care at all. Well, so your question is, is when is, when can the fandom get you into something? Like, I mean, how, like, not even that, like, how can uh, a fandom for something convince you, like, the the fandom and, like, the friends I knew that, like, really enjoyed Cowboy Bebop, like, convinced me to give it a second shot, like, okay. How important is a fan base for something about getting people to get to like, um, like something I can talk about now is the diehard fan base for no man's sky has brought that game back into the limelight after a horrendous launch of all the patchwork and everything that's been done. Apparently that game is, it was supposed to be two and a half years ago at launch. 
talking about how it's exceeding expectations and how it's finally living up to the hype and all that, like all that kind of bullshit. So I think if uh, whoever the hell made the game, if they hadn't, like if no one had cared and like, if no one was actually like putting effort into the game or seeing it for what it could have been, like, Studio wasn't going to put forth all that effort if no one was going to play the fucking game regardless. But right. they convinced a buttload of people to give it a second go. And, uh... Well, for me, it's always... When you start seeing stuff pop up in the, like, the nerd circle, like, you know, references to things and whatnot, and it's one of those things, oh, I don't watch that, so I don't, I don't know what that, that's a reference to, or, you know, things like that, like... My curiosity kicks in, and I kind of like, well, what what does that mean? Um, so it's when you start for me anyway. It's it's uh, not so much like someone flat out directly recommending something to me, but just being around. Like um, Star Trek, never a thing I was really into, and then I started hanging out with Scott Cox, and every third sentence is a Star Trek reference. So I was like, well, I guess I should brush up on my Star Trek a bit. Uh, leads, you know, leading to about two years ago, I binged all Star Trek Enterprise in like it's all three seasons in eight weeks because uh, that show is awesome. Um, so that kind of, you know, uh, really it just it takes one person uh, to just, you know, that have that that level of love for the franchise. Uh, kind of rub off on me and not in a way directly of like, Oh my God, you have to watch this, but just sort of like they keep talking about it. Um, and, and just, you see how much they love it and be like, well, I, I should give that a look then. Uh, so it's the, I guess, less is more approach with me. And then the flip side of that is when someone keeps rhyming something down your throat and fuck off, I don't want to uh, like Harry Potter, which I still haven't read because I'm that was I was that kid who was like Harry Potter is dumb until <laughs> Whitney took me to Wizarding World of Harry Potter. And, uh, that that's me with Rick and Morty. Hmm. Uh, you I, I motherfucker, don't even <laughs> I swear to God, I will drive over there and punch you right in the dick right now. Man, do it. Uh, Rick and Morty is just not for me. I don't give a shit about it. Fucking Reddit fan base has done nothing to ever make me want to give it another shot. I get it. I hate the fucking the swish, the Szechuan sauce debacle of a couple years yeah. ago. It's just like these fucking guys are fucking out of their goddamn minds. But. I just can't quit it. There will be that's one of the few shows I go back and rewatch. Like every six months, I'll just rewatch the entire fucking run because it's so goddamn good. And even like the first episode, I was like, "What the fuck is this?" But I, I guess it was just I binged it. Like it was on something, uh, and I watched like three episodes. I'm like, "Oh goddamn, this is actually pretty interesting." And then it got fucking deeper, and like, "What the fuck is going on? This is awesome." I'm I'm one of the cool Rick and Morty fans who's like I wear all the underwear and I watch all the shows, you know, and I, I have like a million fucking pops of Rick and Morty and I'm getting ready to order like a hundred dollars more of them. But I don't fucking <laughs> like storm into a McDonald's and jump on the counter and start slapping these poor kids making minimum wage because they don't have Szechuan sauce. So 
Uh, I feel about people who like Friends, though. I think Friends is probably the worst TV show of all time. Like, I would rather watch than watch Friends. Like, I just, you know, the one with whole does something stupid or the time Ross is a fucking moron or the time Rachel's a whore or whatever like the time Phoebe's fucking stupid she changed her name to fucking what was it Consuela Von Banana Hammock or some shit it says Consuela Banana Hammock shit ever like I just I remember watching it like when it came out I was like what the fuck is this this is stupid like this show will get canceled and then it ran for what like 11 seasons and they were getting paid like two million dollars an episode and then syndication they're still making like five million dollars a year from all Team. these fucking episodes uh, whatever it I is actually, yeah. they just got picked up by nbc universal and all that shit i'm just like trivia how, how much money do the yeah they make 15 still and the show has been off the air for 15 years um yeah that's fucking stupid like, who the fuck, other than hey, my old roommate, sits around and just watches fucking Friends? Like, it's the worst fucking show ever. I fucking, it's, I hate it. I fucking hate it. The one where fucking dipshit Joey does something and gets a stain on his shirt. Like, it's fucking every episode. Like, who fucking cares? Seinfeld was semi-intelligent. Like, Friends is just fucking stupid. Fight me, you loves friends i'll even fight my old roommate she can kiss my ass i keep sending her memes about how terrible friends is and she never responds and i, I think it's eroding our friendship and i don't care because i hate that fucking show get it all out julian it's okay we're here for you damn it <laughs> thinking did i lose you no, I'm here. Okay. Uh, actually, you, you were a big That 70s Show fan, right? Uh, not at the time that it was on, but in syndication, yes. Did I ever tell you about how my dad ruined that show for me? <laughs> no. My dad is the, like, what it is, and I have never seen my dad get, like, heated about a TV show. I've only seen him get mad about, like, two things. TV and one was when he finally wrote off the Big Bang Theory, which I just asked him why that took so long. And one was, I don't know if my father has ever hated a TV show the way he's hated that '70s show. John, John's met my dad. It's probably been a long time, but I know John's met my father. Super and my dad's, a, yeah, my dad's a very even keel kind of guy. Listen, this is probably I don't know five or six years ago. My brother and I are sitting there. Uh, that my dad's in the room. He goes, oh, "Turn the channel." I was like, "Why?" I'm like, "You know, this is on. Nothing else is on." He's like, "Donna and Foreman getting a fight." I was like, "Well, yeah, they're they're arguing." And he's like, "You know how I know? Because that's every episode of this stupid show." <laughs> dad, when you're when when you're right, you're right. I guess so. I mean, it was uh, you know. My dad was the uh, the anti. My dad was very much a staunch anti giving uh, that seventy show a second shot. Well, you know, he's not wrong. So, uh, love it. Well, I'm like that with fucking uh, what is it? Big Bang Theory. Like when it first came on, I'm like, oh, this is cool. You know, talking about nerds and stuff, and I can understand some of the shit. And then I was just like. 
why the fuck is everybody just so like weird? Like not even like fake weird. Like these guys are just fucking idiots and they shouldn't be. And all this dumb shit. The the big, actually the biggest thing that aggravates me is the fucking penny works at the uh, cheesecake factory. It's not what a fucking cheesecake factory looks like on the inside. It doesn't look like a shitty old Italian restaurant. Well, actually it does. Now that I think of it. <laughs> See old Italianers. It doesn't look like an Applebee's kind of, or a Perkins. That's what it looks like on the show. It looks like a fucking Perkins. But it's just like this got me. Uh, I was watching it and and uh, I, I figured out the formula of every joke on, the show, which is something happens. We make slightly funny reference to nerdy thing. We then stop to have character whatever see. Explain the nerdy reference to character D so everybody at home who didn't get the joke can get the joke now. Yeah. And that's like, yeah, like that's every time they make a nerdy reference, someone has to stop and explain the reference to somebody else. And I'm like, nerds don't talk that way. Yeah, Penny's always like, explain it to me like I'm not a douche or something. And it's just like, We, we speak in reference and quote. And if you can't keep up, get the fuck out. Yeah, and you don't deserve to be there, you fucking peasant. And don't don't have the hot girl explain it to the rest of us. And let's, let's so, be honest, the, I don't care how fucking smart you are, the hot girl's never going to bang any of those fucking dorks. Unless they're just swinging mule tamers, and I don't think they are. Jesus Christ. Or the uh, four inches of cock on any of those guys. I'm just saying. This would be a new team name for something. Swinging mule tamers. Um, can I so, a fantasy football team name? Yes, you can. Should be able to. Uh, with an apology, and I'll end with I'll I'll end this with an apology. Uh, Flanagan, you 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 there? You there? I got oh, yeah. one for you. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Now, as I have done on air a couple times, I still firmly believe I still to this day owe you an apology about the Scream TV series. <laughs> Oh, how uh, and I, I do stick by it, and we've discussed it. the The pilot is, but the second episode or halfway through the third, it, it's just like it took a completely different direction from the. I mean, not even a different direction, but just it just got so much fucking better. And it was one of those things that was totally worth a second look. I'm glad I took the time to, and, uh, give that a go. A time. Uh, it, it dials back the MTV after the pilot. Like the pilot is just very MTV heavy. And I feel like they did that just so that it would get made. And then once they got a commitment, they could kind of, you know, make it more what they wanted, but yeah, it, it definitely hits a, it hits a stride, uh, probably second or third, third, probably maybe fourth episode. Like it, it hits a good stride that goes through the entire season. And yeah, you can, you just got to get through the, uh, the very, very polished MTV look and feel of the pilot. for TV movie that's at the end of season two. <laughs> I, I believe uh, that, that's kind of all I got. Good topic. Hey, thank you.
Even though nobody understood what it was supposed to be, I think we figured it out. We made the most out of it. It all riled up. I was a little bit drunk when I started the show, and I was kind of bored, and I was like, I don't think I'm going to talk much. And then the more we got into it, the more aggravated I wanted to be. So that was a conscious decision. There's nothing anybody did. <laughs> Sometimes with a topic of discussion, you just got to make like a blind guy in a haunted house and just feel your way through. <laughs> just you'll you'll make it eventually. It's got him. Just got to feel your way. Love it. So, so I think that uh, that wraps up our first November episode. As we go speeding now towards our holiday break that will be that will be here before you know it. So, uh, we'll finish up this episode and we'll be back next week with another brand new episode.